This is Lead Minister Nathan Pelahowski of RSCC. I just want to welcome you to the RSCC podcast. Here's something I want you to know. I want you to know that you matter. Not because I say you matter, but because God says that you matter when he sent his son Jesus to die for us. Today I hope this message challenges you and encourages you to take your next faith step. Welcome to RSCC. It is good to be back here with y'all. Hey, Adam did a great job last week. Danny, put your hands together for Adam. It is awesome to be part of a good team where, you know, I can take a week off and Adam's here preaching, the worship team and volunteers. Uh, So it was awesome to to get away, but it's awesome knowing that, you know, Adam was here preaching and I just think he's doing a great job. So if you get a chance, encourage him and tell him that. I know he's in the building, but you can tell him that. I think it's awesome. Worship team did awesome as well. And today, I'm just glad you're here. You could have chosen a thousand or a hundred other things to do, other places to be, but you're here today and I think there's a reason for that and I know God's going to speak to you you today. But before we kind of get into the, the series and into what we're going to talk about today, I want to pray because, you know, over the last couple of weeks, we, we had a loss of Bill Clifton and Bobby Joe Keith, and we have many other prayer concerns and hurt going on in the church. So I just want to pray, and uh, I'll do a blanket prayer for some people if you're hurting, and if you need prayer or you need anything, pr- please let us know, and we would love to pray for you at some point in this service. We, we believe in the power of prayer. We, we believe that God listens to our prayer, and we believe that prayer changes lives. So if you would please join me in prayer, let's pray. God, we are so thankful that we get to be in your presence today, that we get to be in the, your presence in this community and in this ecclesia, this gathering, not just the building, this gathering, and just to worship you, Father. And I pray today that you be with the Clifton family and the Keith family of some pillars of this church and just men who led this church for many years, Father, and there's much hurt because we lost friends, we lost a father, a grandfather, someone that we love, Father. And so I pray you be with them. I also pray that you be with the young boy in Switzerland County who is having medical issues and be with his family and his friends and just kind of heal him, Father, and just let your presence be known that it is there and you're with them and their pain and their sorrow, God. And I pray for anybody else here today who's having health concerns, having worries, having anxiety, having doubts. Father, that you just meet us in this place. And whatever is on our hearts, whatever's on our mind, God, that you just calm us for the next 35 minutes or so. And let us focus on what you want us to hear, what you want us to know, God. And I pray you speak through me and allow me to communicate in a way that is effective for you and your kingdom. So you name we pray. Amen. In Saratoga, New York, there is a monument that looks like this. It, if you can't see it, if you can't tell what it is, on one side is a boot. And the boot represents a man who got shot in the leg. On the other side of the monument that I do not have a picture of, it, it, there's something inscribed. There, there's, there's a description of what this monument stands for. But what is unique about this monument is there is no name given on this monument. But we know because of history, and I know because of Google, right, the great search engine uh, of 2022, what this monument stands for. It is for a man who is infamous, not famous, but infamous, and his name is Benedict Arnold. Anybody ever heard of him before, right? Revolutionary War. But before he was known as Benedict Arnold the traitor, he was also a, a great general or great leader for the, for the colonists, for the revolutionary side, uh, for the American side. And, and there was an event that happened in Saratoga, New York, where he stood his ground and he protected the city. And somebody thought that it would be good for him to get a monument. 
But they didn't put his name on it because he's known as a betrayer. He betrayed the revolutionists, the, the colonists, and he went to the, the Redcoats, the British, and he told them some plans of, of what was going to happen. And so he starts fighting with, with, Britain, uh, with the British and, and against the colonies. And eventually he flees to England, and he's never really trusted. And later in his life, he moves back to Canada. But he never got that fame, and he never got the, the notoriety that he really wanted. But in Saratoga, New York, there's a monument with a boot, on one side, because he's shot in the leg, and it's uh, inscribed on the other side is an event or a moment that he led, but he was never given the credit for. And that's kind of what happens with people who are betrayers or, or traitors. Whatever good they might have done is erased by the act of betrayal. Now, if you think about this word betrayal right here, betrayal is something, for whatever reason, that hurts more than many other emotional pains. And often why betrayal hurts is because it's relational. And let's, let's talk about that. It's relational. If someone I don't like does something to me that I don't like, it doesn't hurt, right? I expect them to do that, and that's probably why I don't like them. But when, when someone I love, when someone I trust, when someone that I'm close to betrays me, it hurts. And I heard this quote. It says, the saddest thing about betrayal is that it never comes from your enemies. It always comes from the people that you love. It always comes from people that you trust. It always comes from people that you put time in. It always comes from someone that you have some type of relationship with. And we've all faced betrayal. Right, you, you probably had some betrayal in your life. Maybe it was by a boyfriend or girlfriend in high school or college. Maybe it was by a sibling ratting you out. Maybe it was a coworker. Maybe it was a spouse, an ex-spouse. Maybe it was someone you trusted and they did something to you that they shouldn't have done. Maybe it was someone that you loved at some point in your life and you, never, you, you thought they were a certain person, but they did something and it, it shocked you and, it, and the betrayal ran deep and it hurt. You know, I, I've been betrayed. I, I know I've been betrayed by a lot of you guys. A couple, about a month or two ago, you know, uh, Tennessee Titans were playing the Bengals, my, my team of Titans, and, and you're the Bengals fans. And most of you could not wait to get here on Sunday morning and tell me how great it felt for your Bengals to beat my Titans. Like, that's betrayal. Some people in this church used to work out with me. And, and then they betrayed me and they went to the Purple Palace called Planet Fitness, right? So that's betrayal. Whitney betrayed me just a couple weeks ago, and uh, she told me she was glad that the Lakers are so awful that we won't have to watch NBA playoffs this year, right? That's betrayal. Natalie betrays me at times when, I, when she's crying, and I try to pick her up, but all she wants is her mom, right? That's some betrayal. So we have those type of betrayals, but I also had betrayal when I was nine years old when my dad decided to drink and drive and ultimately cost him, cost him his life. That felt like betrayal. There's been moments in my life when someone I trusted, someone I thought was my friend, did something to me, and it hurt in such a way that I said, I don't know if we could ever fix this relationship. We've all faced betrayal. Betrayal is something, it's human nature, and why we're talking about betrayal is even Jesus. Jesus could not escape betrayal. So that's what, it leads me to this series and why I'm talking about this. This series is called 30 Pieces of Silver. Now, you may not know what 30 pieces of silver means, but you soon will. But here's what this series is going to do. It's going to lead us all the way up to Easter. Now, you may not believe it, but Easter is right around the corner. So it's going to lead us all the way up to Easter. And what we're going to do is we're going to look at, at things in our life that we put before Christ. 
And some of the things are going to be clear. Some of the things are going to be obvious. But some of the things that we talk about, some of the topics we talk about may not be so clear, may not be things that we're like, oh, I never thought that, that I put that above Christ, but I do. And so what we're going to look at is we're going to look at what are the things that maybe are stealing our faith? What are the things that are stealing our, our devotion? What are the things that are getting in the way of our faith? And the goal of the series is real simple. It's for four weeks to, focus, to point us back to focus on the life-changing power of the resurrection. And after the series is up, we're going to get to Easter, and we're going to talk about what, you know, the resurrection and why we believe what we believe and what the resurrection changes. But the goal is real simple, the focus on the life-changing power of the resurrection. And the, the way we're going to do that is we're going to do some self-reflection, some self-evaluation, um, and we're going to look at certain things and talk about certain things that are going to get us ready to focus on the resurrection. Because right now, a lot of us are focused on March Madness and the warm weather, but I want to just, on Sundays for four weeks, four Sundays, just, just just pay attention, just get in and just say, okay, this is what I'm focusing on. And hopefully it's for four weeks and we're going to go to the resurrection and hopefully we, we see like we don't need to just focus on it for four weeks. We need to always be focused on the power of the resurrection and what Christ offers us. So that's what the goal of the series is. 30 pieces of silver. And so what does that mean? Well, let me take you to a place in Matthew 26 verses 6 through 16, we're going to look at a man named Judas. You may know Judas. Uh, Benedict Arnold may be the most famous betrayer in the United States, but Judas is the most famous betrayer of all time. So I'm going to take you to Matthew 26. We'll, 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 later, we'll start in verse 6, but I'm going to take you to the moment, uh, the 30 pieces of silver moment, if you will. And here's what it says. Then one of the 12, the, the one called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priest and asked, what are you willing to give me if I deliver him, Jesus, over to you? So they counted out for him 30 pieces of silver. There's the title of the series, right? Real creative, right? 30 pieces of silver. From then on, Judas watched for an opportunity to hand Jesus over to them. So here's what's going on in this moment that, that we don't read. Jesus ha has just got done teaching. He, he, there's a series of teachings that you can read before Matthew 26. But before Matthew 26 and before Matthew 25, we, we, we come to Matthew 5, and we get to 5, 6, and 7, we have the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus starts to preach about a new kingdom, uh, and when you started talking about a new kingdom in his time, they thought that was a military threat. So people, he started teaching that he was going to bring a new kingdom, an upside-down kingdom. He started teaching things that he was the son, he was the Messiah, that he was the one that the Jews had been waiting for. He started talking about that he would destroy, that the temple would be destroyed. Now, it, it was not figuratively. He was not talking about their physical temple. He's talking about himself. But he was talking about a temple being destroyed and being built, rebuilt in three days. He was saying a lot of things that threatened a certain group of people, that threatened the chief priest and the religious people of the time. And so what they wanted to do, because Jesus was gaining popularity, people were following Jesus, they wanted to arrest Jesus. They wanted him to be arrested and ultimately they wanted him to be killed. That is what they wanted. But the problem is, Jesus had too big of a following. So they couldn't do it. They couldn't just walk up to him and arrest him. They had to find a way in. They had to find a way to do it when it was maybe at night. They had to find a way to do it when it wasn't a public setting. Because if it was a public setting and they arrested Jesus in public, there would have probably been a riot, an angry mob of sticking up for Jesus. So that's where Judas comes in. Judas, and we'll get to later today why he does this and what led to this moment. But Judas decides to say, you know what? I'll do it. 
I'll be the man that will give you the inside scoop of where Jesus is, and I'll tell you what he's doing, so you can arrest him in, in, day, in nighttime when no one sees it, and you can have the inside scoop. And he does all this. He betrays the Savior of the world for a lousy 30 pieces of silver. So in this series, the 30 pieces of, of silver is going to represent what we're trading in. So I want to start today with, with this question. What's your price? What's your price? I can say it this way. Um, if for, maybe you're not a Christian yet. Maybe you don't believe what we believe yet about Jesus. Okay, so let me say it this way. What would it take for you to do, to do something you know you shouldn't do, but you get what you want? Right? What would it take you to do? What, what, what would you have to receive? How much money? How much pleasure? What, what type of body? What would it take? What, what is your price? What would it take for you to do something you know you shouldn't do, but ultimately you get something you want? Or for Christians or followers of Christ, we call them disciples, what would it take for you to do? What would it take for you to do something against, that, against what Jesus has called you to do? What would it take for you to sell out your faith? What's your price? Because I, I, I bet you, We've all sold out and done something we know we shouldn't do to get something that we really wanted. Anybody ever done that? So I, I, I like to think back in my life when I, when I write these sermons, when I think about these, I don't just think about preaching. I think about my life and we're just talking. So this uh, last couple of weeks, I've been thinking about my life and moments. And there are many moments when I've sold out to my faith or sold out to my beliefs to get something I really wanted. But one moment kept coming up over and over again. And it happened before I was a teenager. And so I'm a 90s baby, so that means I grew up in a weird time. We had internet, but it was dial-up. And if you know what dial-up is, like, as soon as I say that word, you can think of that screeching sound, like, where you couldn't use the phone and the internet at the same time. It was wild. And also, I was born in a time when some of my phones in the house still have cords, right? That's wild, right? And so what we did for fun is we really, we were poor, so we didn't have video games. We didn't have internet. We, what we did is we were outside, right? I know it's a crazy concept, but we were outside doing things. And one of the things that we often did was we hopped on our bicycles. And if you notice, if you've been here for several years or a couple months, I talk about me being on my bicycle all the time. And on that bicycle is where I got into a lot of trouble. So we would cruise around town uh, of Hershey, Illinois, on our bicycles. And if you were lucky and you had some money, every once in a while, after you were just done cruising around all day, you would stop at Mario's Market, which is essentially IGA. But believe it or not, the price is at Mario's is a little bit higher than IGA, right? But at Mario's, they had a pop machine. This is how old, you know, I'm not old, but this is how different the world was. They had a Coke machine where you could buy a can of Coke for 35 cents, right? And, and so you would try to find 35 cents. So on this particular day, I'm riding around Hersher with my cousin Dylan, and I have 35 cents. Now, I'm not going to tell you how I got that 35 cents, but I did not earn it, right? I'll just say that, right? So I had 35 cents, and me and my cousin were going to share this pop. So we get to the pop machine, and we put in the money, and we, I think we decide like cherry Coke, right? Then we hit the cherry Coke button. And just for good measure, we hit it again, right? So... We hit it once, 35 cents, cherry Coke came out. Hit it again, another one came out. Woo, okay. We're on something. Hit it again, another one came out. Hit it again. I'm not making this up. Another one came out. So I kept hitting it over and over and over again. And within like 30 seconds, I have like 15 cherry Cokes. All right, so the right thing to do would have been what? 
Go and tell Mario's market, hey, your pop machine's broke. Here's the rest of your pop. I tell my cousin Dylan, I said, hey, man, we are not giving this up. You ride to my house, get a plastic bag, come back. I'll stay here with the pop. So as he's riding his bike back to my house, which is like two blocks, I start hitting other buttons on the Coke machine, and more pop keeps coming out. So for 35 cents, by the time Dylan gets back, I have like 35 Cokes, right? And I'm like, man, 35 cents, and I get like 35 Cokes. I was living the high life, right? Like, man, how are we going to drink all this pop? We even had a plan. We're going to hide it from our siblings. We're going to hide it from our parents. And, and so why I tell you that story is that day, I, I knew what we were doing was stealing. You know what my price was? Cherry Coke, right? That's a good trade-off. Some of us right now have a price, we may not realize it. We may be doing things that we don't understand. We may, not, we may be selling out in certain ways to our faith, but we, we have a price. And that's what this series is about. What is our price? Because for Judas, his price is very clear. 30 pieces of silver. So as we think about the day, as we continue today, I want you to think about that. What was your price? So let, let's start with this, this kind of question. Who is Judas? So wh why is Judas important? Well, here's the reality. We don't know a whole lot about Judas. We know that this is what's important. We know that he was one of the uh, 12 disciples, one of the original ones. We know that he is from a different area geographically than the rest of the disciples. So we know that there might have been a little a division that he would have maybe talked a little different, maybe had a different accent, maybe had a little different values in some capacities, but, but he, he, he was in the group. He was hand-chosen. By, by Jesus, it's important to realize that if you were to hop in a time machine and go back to the time and you saw the disciples standing in a line, you would not be able to pick Judas out of the crowd. He would have looked like everybody else. So it's not like he was like you could just look at him like, hey, Judas was the evil one. You probably wouldn't be able to tell. But there's something extremely scary about Judas. And I think there's something that we all need to think about when we think about Judas. And it's this fact. He was one of the 12, first of all, handpicked. So one of the 12. What that meant is these 12 disciples, and he had a front row seat to everything. When Jesus fed the 5,000, scholars say it's probably more like 15,000, when Jesus did that with some, some bread and some fish, guess who was there? Judas. When Jesus healed the blind, guess who was there? Judas. When Jesus gave the greatest sermon of all time, the Sermon on the Mount, guess who had a front row seat? Judas. When Judas, when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, guess who was there? Judas. Judas had a front row seat to everything. He had the greatest preaching of all time, the greatest small group of all time, yet he still did what he did. And there's something a little bit alarming about that. It's scary. It proves that you could be religious without actually following Jesus. It proves that. But also, I think it's important to realize that Judas started off pursuing a good thing, a great thing. He started off pursuing Jesus, but ended chasing something lesser. He had the clearest evidence you will ever see. Front row seat to Everything. And we don't know why he started pursuing Jesus. We don't know why, but it probably can be assumed that he heard what Jesus was teaching. He, he saw what Jesus was doing, and he says, this man is unlike any other man. I, he probably started off pursuing a good thing, but ended chasing something lesser. But what's important to realize is even though he was one of the 12, Judas had a price. 
he had a price. And that price is what? 30 pieces of silver. So what I want to do is I want to kind of do what's really important to do when you read in the scriptures. I want to jump a couple of verses before Judas betrays Jesus and kind of see what led up to this moment of 30 pieces of silver. But what we're really going to have to do is we're going to have to piece together some of the entire gospels and really talk about it wasn't just a spur of a moment thing. There's moments that led to this. But let's check it out. Matthew 26. And again, if you have the RSCC app, all these notes are in all the notes and many of the slides will be in the note section. So this is what it says. While Jesus was in Bethany in, in the home of Simon the leper. So they're saying, hey, there's this man who was a leper. It's probably a man who Jesus healed. And he's in Bethany. While he was there, a woman came to him with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume, which she poured on his head and he was recl- as he was reclining at the table. When the disciples saw this, they were indignant. And why this waste, they asked. This perfume could have been sold at a high price and the money given to the poor. So here's what we have going on here. Jesus is at Bethany. He's at Simon. Uh, he's at Peter, the, the leper's, uh, Simon, the leper's house. He, and he's there. And this woman, the, it says woman here, we know from other gospels, it is Mary, the sister of Martha and Lazarus, the man that Jesus raised from the dead. And she comes to Jesus and she has this expensive jar, this alabaster jar uh, of perfume. And we don't know how much exactly that perfume would have been worth, but scholars say that this, that this jar, this type of jar, this type of perfume would have been like something that would have been passed down from generation to generation, and you would use it very sparingly. It would have been something that would have been a treasure. They say it would have been worth maybe modern day $10,000. So I don't know if there's any $10,000 perfumes out there, and if there are, please don't tell my wife, right? But there's some perfume, right? So it's this treasure. It's something that's worth something. And what does she do? She takes it to Jesus, and she pours it on his head. She, she uses this perfume, this family treasure, maybe the most expensive item she has, and she pours it on Jesus, okay? What is she doing? And she's like, I don't know everything about you, Jesus, but I know this. You're different than anybody else. She doesn't quite understand exactly who Jesus is, but she believes that Jesus really is who he says he is. That's really important to understand because meanwhile, you got 12 men who'd been with Jesus the entire time. What do they say? What a waste. What a waste. See, they totally missed the moment. They're like, we could have used that money on the poor. In the Gospel of John, it says, Judas says this, but Judas says this because he wants the money for the perfume for himself because he was a thief. So Jesus sees the tension in the room. He sees this woman who is worshiping Jesus. That's what she's doing. She's bringing her best to Jesus, and that's what worship is. And then he's got his crew complaining. So here, the story continues, and here's what it says. Aware of this, because Jesus is always aware of this, he said to them, Why are you bothering this woman? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you, but you will not always have me. And when she poured this perfume on my body, she did it to prepare me for burial. Truly, I tell you, wherever this gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Rough rough translation is like, Jesus saying, listen, the poor is always going to be there. Right? He's, not, he's, not, he's not diminishing the poor. He's like, listen, you all missed the moment. You missed it. 
What she is doing is what I've been telling you to do. She understands what I'm going to do. She understands that I'm about to go and, and die. And you all, you're arguing about the poor and you're arguing about the perfume. Why are you bothering her? He's like, she's doing something that is such great, in such a great way that generation after generation, wherever this is told, she'll be t- talked about. What are we doing in 2022? Years after Jesus, we're talking about this woman, aren't we? Well, it, well, it continues. All right, so this is where we get to Judas, and here's what happens. Then one of the 12, the one called Judas, went to the chief priest and asked, what are you willing to give me if I deliver him over to you? So they counted out for him 30 pieces of silver. From then on, Judas watched for an opportunity to hand him over. Judas sees this moment. He's like, enough's enough. I've been following this guy for three and a half years. Three and a half years, uh, I've been following him. He's been promising us a new kingdom. He's been promising us all these things. And now there's this woman who has this, this treasure that we could have sold and made a bunch of money. And he says, leave her alone? He's like, this is it. I'm done. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not in this group anymore. So what he decides to do is he's like, I'm going to go to the chief priest. Remember, they want to weigh in. They want, someone, they want someone in the inner group. They need to find out some inside information on Jesus so they can arrest him. And, and so Judas says, you know what? You guys are looking for somebody. I'll do it. But I got a question. Before I do this, what are you willing to give me? Because I need something. What are you willing to give me? Because I'm... I've been following Jesus because I thought I was going to get something. I'm not getting anything. So what are you willing to give me? And here's what this means. That he has a price that he would trade Jesus in for. And if that price is met, he will do something he he knew he shouldn't do so he can get what he wants. He's like, I got a price. And if you meet it, I'll do it. So what are you willing to give me? Now, this is how my mind works. All of a sudden, in this moment, I think of this show, Deal or No Deal. Anybody remember that show when it got really popular? And you got like these 25 cases, uh, it's like you got these 25 cases of money and you start off and, and there's one guy and, or one woman and they pick off, like they pick like number nine and you're hoping in that case is a million dollars, but you got, you got cases from, you know, from a penny all the way to a million. You got 25 cases and, and one by one, you start picking off the cases. Like I, I pick number 23, I pick number six, I pick number, you know, whatever. And you kind of hope, you're hoping you eliminate the small amounts, like a penny, and you don't, you don't eliminate like 500,000. And so you pick like, you start with like five, and then you pick five, and then there's a banker. And the banker w- would call down and, and say, listen, I'll make you this deal. I'll make you a deal. You, you don't know what's in the case. You've eliminated these numbers. I'll give you $100,000, or I'll give you $80,000. And at that moment, as a contestant, you have to say deal or no deal. So here's how my mind goes. We got Judas. He's like, what, what are you willing to give me? And you got all these religious people, and they're holding sacks of money, right? And, and, and they have this price. They're like, this is what we're willing to give you, 30 pieces of silver. So Judas is, he, he's making eye contact with them. His heart's racing. It's beating fast. He's sweating. He's like, man, am I going to do this? What, what, if, what if Jesus really is who he says he is? What if he isn't? And if he isn't, and they're the one arrested, that means I'm going to get arrested. So, so they're like, he's making eye contact, and, and moments go by. It's like seconds. It feels like minutes, and he's sweating, and his heart's racing. It's like, what do I do? What do I do? And they're like, Judas, do we have a deal? Do we have a deal? Do we have a deal? And all of a sudden, he says, deal. Okay. I will trade in the Savior of the world 
for 30 pieces of silver. He didn't know he was the savior of the world. I will trade in Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. So the question becomes, why did he make this trade? That's what's important. Why? Well, remember, I started talking at the beginning when I said that Jesus started talking, and we don't know for sure. We can, we can only assume, you know, it says that the, Satan entered him, the devil entered him. Well, we can only assume, and scholars can only assume so much, but we can assume that G- Judas started following Jesus because he saw he was no, like no one else, but he also was promising things that no one else would promise. See, Jesus was promising a new kingdom was coming. A new type of kingdom. And that type of kingdom, that type of verbiage, that type of language in this century would have meant that Judas probably assumed that Jesus was going to overthrow the Roman government. And that Jesus would be in charge. He would be a new emperor. And that Judas would have a front row seat to the emperor. The new kingdom. He probably thought that following Jesus would make him rich. He probably thought that following Jesus would give him power. But all of a sudden, Judas realizes something after three and a half years. This isn't what I thought it was. You know, it's like, Jesus, it's like Judas missed the entire sermon on the mount when Jesus started saying this, blessed are the poor in spirit, right? He says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are those who mourn. It's like nothing about Jesus. Did he ever say you're going to get wealthy and healthy? And he never once said you're going to have this magical kingdom on earth. He never once said that, right? But Judas kind of missed all of this. But here's what happens. All of a sudden, Judas feels that Jesus isn't living up to his end of the deal. He's not getting what he wanted out of it from Jesus. And that's what a lot of people, that's what happens with a lot of people in faith. They come to Jesus because someone preaches some health and wealth gospel where they think that everything, they're going to get Skittles and rainbows and riches. And all of a sudden they're promised no more pain and no more suffering. And all of a sudden they start getting those things like, whoa, whoa, whoa. That's not why I go to church. That's not why I go to small group. That's not why I worship. I'm not getting what I thought I, I would out of it. So that's where Judas was. And I think if you do something, if you can stop here and say, okay, let's compare that to to the woman Mary. Let's look at their two hearts. For Judas, Jesus was a means to an end. If I follow Jesus, he'll give me power and riches. For Mary, Jesus was the end. Knowing him was the riches. Right? That's where we want to be. Judas served Jesus to get things. Mary was willing to give up anything to know more of Jesus. Here's what Judas's mighty flaw was. It was all about what can I get out of this? Sometimes we come to church. What can I get out of it? What can I get out of this? How am I going to feel when I leave? Am I going to get my type of songs? Am I going to get my type of sermon? What am I going to get? What can I get out of this? Jesus was like, what can I get out of this? He wanted riches, he wanted power, and he wasn't getting it. So for 30 pieces of silver, and we don't know how much exactly that is in modern terms, all we know is probably enough to buy a plot of land, but it was not enough to change his life. So that means he traded eternal glory, because Jesus will bring a king that will last forever, just not the way he expected. Jesus will give us something that, we, that will last forever, just not what Jews expected. But Jews traded that in for momentary riches. That's a bad trade, isn't it? So the question becomes, okay, 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 you traded this in, okay. How do you get there? How do you get from being one of the 12 to the one betrayer? And the answer is so simple. One choice at a time. 
This wasn't just a spur of the moment type of thing. None of us wake up and say, you know what? Today feels like a great day to ruin my life, doesn't it? No one says that. There's moments that happen. There's things that happen. And, and this is what, uh, I, t- I took this from someone years ago. It's, it's called the, the process of temptation. And, and so I think if you really looked at this, you could see that this is what was going on in Judas's life. And this is what goes on in our life when, when we talk about trading in our faith or how do we get to a place we don't want to be. You first, there's a thought. I think about doing it, right? And, and then there's imagination, Ooh, if I do this, it's going to feel so good. I'm going to get riches. Or for Judas, it's like, okay, I'm thinking about the 30 pieces of silver. I imagine what I can do with the 30 pieces of silver. And and then there's justification. Well, I'm going to do this because Jesus isn't living up to his end of the deal. I'm not getting what I thought I should do. So thought, imagination, justification. Then there's the choice. Do I decide to do it or not do it? None of this is sin. This is where the sin comes in. He decides to do it. He makes a trade in, and he trades in to sin. And there's, I believe that this is probably the process that Judas had been going through for three and a half years. It doesn't always happen like this. Very few things happen like this in life. But it's a process. Slowly over time. So I, I would venture to say that Judas has been dancing with the devil for a while now. We know through other gospels that, in other letters that Judas loved money. He loved power. He was the treasure of the group. And he was stealing from the group. Judas had been dancing with Satan long before this moment of 30 pieces of silver. One choice at a time. He was leaving little doors open, little cracks in his life. And what Satan did is he just jumped on the opportunity. He took a temptation that Judas had, money and greed, and said, hey, I'll use the chief priest to, to give you 30 pieces of silver. And Jesus jumped on the opportunity. And why that's important for you and I is at any moment, I think this can happen to us. And we can end up somewhere in our faith that we don't want to be. We can end up dancing with Satan and we don't want to be dancing. And there's, there's, there's this process, the thought, the imagination, the justification, the choice. And there's this slow erosion And all of a sudden, one choice at a time, one choice at a time, one choice at a time, we find ourselves doing things we don't really want to do. And we find find ourselves in a place trading in momentary riches for eternal glory. That's what happened with Judas. That's Judas' story. So the question becomes, well, okay, what doors are you leaving open for Satan in, in, in your life? What doors are we leaving open for Satan in our lives? What little cracks are we leaving open? Where are we, allow, where are we flirting with temptation? Where are we leaving the door open just enough that if this is met, I, I might just have to do it? I don't know for you. I, I can only know for me, but where are you leaving doors open? Because I would think and assume that most people, we have a price. We may not realize that we have a price, but we have a price. And that if that price is met, I will do something I know I shouldn't do so I can get what I want. So the question becomes again, a lot of questions today. Remember, this series is about reflection. What's your price? What's your price? And that that question, it looks a little bit different. Because most of us would say, you know what, I would never straight up betray Jesus for that. I would never straight up just deny my faith. So let, let me paint some scenarios for you. Maybe you're in high school, maybe you're in college. Maybe you're a doll and you work at a workplace that's a secular workplace. And you know, because in 2022, what is, what is not popular to be? 
a white conservative Christian, right? Right? So you're that, and you're in your workplace for most of us. And, and you're there, and you know people don't like Christians, Christianity's not popular, and all of a sudden, you know, they make fun of you if you talk about your faith. So you know what you never do? You never talk about your faith. Matter of fact, you try to hide it. You don't wear your RSCC shirt, and if you do, you just button it up when they start talking about Christians. That's your price. For some of you, you're like, hey, you know what? I, I, I know that finances shouldn't rule my life, and I know that money's not everything, but man, I want to be rich. I want to have money. I don't want to just have money to buy a nicer house. I want to have enough money to go on nice vacations, nice cars, dress nice. And you know what? I don't really care what I give up or what I have to do. If I have to fudge some numbers here, if I have to do something a little immoral at work to get there, if I have to be cutthroat and not show grace at work and I get to the top, that's what I'm going to do. That's your price. For some of you, you're like, hey, you know, I've been married for a long time. Then all of a sudden, someone slides into your DMs. They instant message you on, on, you know, Snapchat, on TikTok, on Instagram, on Facebook. And you start flirting a little bit. And this person that maybe you, you, you were attracted to in high school or younger years, they start saying to offer you things. And you're like, you know what? I'll do it. That's your price. See, the price for Judas was 30 pieces of silver. But here's our price. Every time we sin and we know we're sinning, whatever that may be, that's your price. Every time we do something that we know Jesus says not to do, hate people, gossip about people, not forgive people, whatever, right? That's our price. And that's a bad trade. But why is it a bad trade-off? That's, again, self-reflection. Here's the question. Why is it a bad trade-off? And I think what's so cool is Judas's life shows us exactly why giving in that process of temptation leads to death. And here's what happens. So Judas ultimately decides to betray Jesus. He takes this lousy piece of 30 pieces of silver. He says, it's worth it. He says, okay, just wait for my sign. And eventually they'll go to the Last Supper and, and Jesus will eat with the disciples. And at that supper, Jesus will say, hey, I know what one of you are doing. I'm not dumb. I, I'm aware that one of you have agreed to betray me. At that dinner, Judas leaves. He goes back to the chief priests and the officials and says, I know where Jesus is going to be. He's going to be in the garden. And Jesus is in the garden praying. Judas walks up to him. What does he do? He gives him a kiss on the cheek. And Jesus says, come to do. Do what you've come to do, friend. Right? And Jesus kisses him on the cheek. Peter cuts a, a soldier's ear off. But ultimately, Jesus is arrested. And he's put on trial. And at some point in this process, before Jesus is actually crucified, it sinks into Judas. This is what happens. We all have this moment. You give him the temptation, and it was fun for a little while. But he has this moment where he realizes. If you go back to that scripture, please. He goes, he realizes at this moment, what he did, this trade was not worth it. So here's what happens. When Judas, who betrayed him, saw that Jesus was condemned, and he was seized without, rem he was seized without remorse, and, retur and returned the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priest and the elders, he said, I have sinned, for I have betrayed innocent blood. They said, what is this to us? That's your responsibility. So Judas left, and he threw the money into the temple, and he left. 30 pieces of silver. The trade he made, he throws it onto the ground. And then he went away, and he hanged himself. It's sad. You know, what's really sad about this is he spent three and a half years with Jesus, and he never understood what Jesus was really about. He never understood that Jesus was about grace, about forgiveness. And even though it's a sad picture, what we see 
is when you trade Jesus for sin, you're trading life for death. So you can take your 30 pieces of silver on earth and trade it in for eternal, eternity with God, but it's going to lead to death. See, what Judas missed who Jesus was. And here's what, if, that's, if you're here today, you're like, man, I've been trading in so many things. I want to give you a little hope. Within 24 hours of the Last Supper, every single disciple would betray, in some way, desert Jesus. And I say this way, well, there's a Judas, but thank goodness there's a Peter. Peter would deny Christ three times. But none of them hung themselves, so they, they got to see what happened after all of this. And what I find unique and what's so, the hope, this is where the hope comes in. Even though Jesus was betrayed by his 12 closest friends, and he's betrayed by us all the time, he still went to the cross. And we get a little insight that, Ju- that Judas didn't. We get to live after the resurrection. And we get to see that our story doesn't end in the field where Judas is dead. Our story ends in the glory with, uh, with our risen Savior. And we see that we're not saved because of our commitment in all the good works we can do, but because of how committed we are, how committed Jesus was to us. Later in his life, there's a, a, a disciple named John, the apostle. He's, a, he's one that lives to be the oldest. And he's an old man, he's writing letters, and one of his letters, 1 John, he says this, if we confess our sins, basically, if we confess our sins and, and we return to Christ, if we run from all the trades that we're making, if we run back from our sin and we run back to Jesus, he is faithful to forgive us. And that's the hope of the resurrection. That's the hope of the series. So the series, and this is just an introductory. As we get into this series, here, here's what I'm proposing. Let go of the 30 pieces of silver in your life and bring your focus back to Christ. If there's anybody here today who, who wants to make that decision, say, hey, I need to be baptized. I need to refocus. We're going to be in the back of this room. Adam and Ashley will be back there, and I'll be back there after I do communion, and we would love to have a conversation with you. But here's our goal for four weeks. Let go of the 30 pieces of silver in your life, whatever they may be, and bring your focus back to Christ. Let's pray. God, we are so thankful for who you are. We're so thankful that even though we betray you, even though we turn our backs on you, and even though we sell you out for lesser things in this life, and it goes all the way back to the fall of Adam and Eve, God, when sin entered this world, you could have given up on us. But you had a redemptive plan that plays out through Scripture. And this plan was to one day make everything right between us and and you, and that, that way was to send your one and only son to die for us. So God, we are so thankful in this moment that yes, we have Jesus we also have his love, and if we put our faith in him, that we can have eternity through him. We may be Judas at some moments in our life, Father, but will you let us, you remind us that there's also hope, like Peter, who is sitting on the beach with Jesus, and Jesus forgives him and says, Peter, just feed my sheep. Father, so I pray that we let go of our 30 pieces of silver, and we run back into your arms. To your name we pray, amen. It's been great hanging out with you guys today. I hope that message challenges you and encourages you today. We would love to have you on campus sometime at one of our services at 8.30 or 10.45 on Sunday. Or to find out more information about RSEC, you can always go to the RSEC Family app. Or follow us on any social media platform at RSEC Family. Most of all, remember, you matter. Not because I say you matter, but because God says you matter. Now go and be blessed.